The podcast No Stigma Nevada focuses on stories by Nevadans whose lives and work are affected by mental health. I am the host, Kim Pelchikoff, an award-winning journalist from California who now calls Nevada home. I live with bipolar disorder and have written extensively about my own life with this condition. As part of this project, which is funded by the Nevada Psychiatric Association, I introduce our audience to Nevada's psychiatrists and other doctors whose careers have addressed the complex issues of behavioral health. Matters of the mind are not always easily understood or defined. Issues such as gender and culture can greatly influence how mental health is experienced. And here, out west, in the Silver State in Nevada, things can get a little bit tricky. Our state is known for having the worst mental health in the nation, in part because we don't have a lot of doctors to treat it, and the stigma of mental illness can get in the way of patients. This is why the No Stigma Nevada podcast is so important. It is here we can discuss, listen, and learn. Too many times, residents have been turned away in receiving the care that they need or accessing specialty services. The days of flying out of Harry Reid Airport to receive health care procedures are over. Let's make Nevada the state that we all deserve. Those are the words of Nevada State Senator Fabian Donate, the chair of the Senate Health and Human Services in the Nevada Legislature and co-chair of the Nevada Latino Legislative Caucus, who recently introduced the Nevada HOPE Act, otherwise known as the Health Care Opportunities for People Everywhere, or Senate Bill 419. This bill aims to expand coverage to all Nevadans, regardless of background or citizenship status. This bill would allow undocumented immigrants to obtain Medicaid, which could have a dramatic effect on the availability of mental health care on Nevada's Latino population. Before I even talk about the HOPE Act, I just want to give you just a background on that's who I am, because I think it's important for the folks that are listening to understand why this bill came to be. Um, the reason why I got appointed to the state legislature, I ran for my first time just this last past election cycle, but I was in a situation not too long ago. We're actually approaching the three-year anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic. Three years ago, I was in grad school and I had to move back to Nevada because my family was uh, let go from their job. And because many of my family members worked as casino workers, you know, I was very frustrated with the system. I felt that we could have done a little bit better. And I think that's part of the frustration that many families find themselves in, where folks aren't able to access health care, folks have to leave out of state to receive the care that they need. And for a very, very long time, our health care system has been critically underfunded. We were resilient in our efforts, but unfortunately, we haven't done just enough to build our health care capacity. And so Nevada's Hope Act is the bill that I've been working on these last few years to close the gaps that we have in our healthcare delivery system, whether it's in primary care or mental health, unilaterally, we need to come together to support the expansion of healthcare and to build more facilities that support healthcare delivery. And the one final point that I would say is there's a portion of this bill that could be politically controversial, but I believe it's the right thing to do because I have family members that are impacted. And that is to expand healthcare services for everyone, regardless of their immigration status. 
Uh, we know that there are folks in this community that have been left behind and have been ignored. And it's a significant portion of our population. And so part of Senate bill that it will be introduced, which Nevada's Hope Act will be to ensure that everyone is being uplifted, that we're tackling health equity, and we're building on our capacity to support the healthcare system that we so desperately deserve. What kind of support are you getting for this bill? So in general, right now, we're in the process of building coalitions. Uh, last week, I had the opportunity to do a press conference with healthcare providers. I am a healthcare administrator, and I see this on the front lines every day. Because I work in primary care in East Las Vegas, I know for a fact that I've interacted with folks where a policy proposal like expanding Medicaid for people who need it is a really good solution because so many of the families I, I interact with have desperately pleaded of just for the opportunity to receive help. And so right now what we're working on is collaborating with our hospitals, our medical providers, our physicians, because the bottom line is this is not a political issue, it's a clinical issue. And at the bottom line, we deserve to protect our most vulnerable citizens and residents that call Nevada home. And everyone should have the ability to receive the care that they need regardless of who they are or where they come from. One third of the state right now is of Latino descent. But I think there are folks that not that don't realize the magnitude of this problem. So as it stands right now, the uninsured rate of our state is around 10.7%. So we could say about one-tenth of Nevadans, one in every 10 Nevadans, are uninsured. And if you take apart who comprises that uninsured rate, you would find that many of them are undocumented. We estimate that about 7% of the state population right now is undocumented and would be eligible, perhaps, for, for some level of support. What's occurring when right now on the front lines is when folks don't have access to receive health services and they're forced to pay out of pocket is oftentimes they delay care. When you don't have the financial means to pay for a service, you're not going to end up going to the doctor to check up on that service. You're going to wait until it's a big issue. What happens with that is oftentimes many of these folks have to reside or go to the hospital emergency room as their only option. That's a fact. We're already paying for many of those folks and the services that they receive. In fact, what we will hear in the next week or so is a presentation as to what the dollar value is. In general, the state spends around $1.2 billion each year on uncompensated care. And we estimate that folks who are undocumented quantify at least 700 to 800 million each year in services that we could have provided at, on the front lines. My point being is many residents don't already realize, but we pay for the services regardless of they can pay or not when they go to the emergency room. My belief is we should be preventive and we should help support everyone receive the care that they need at any stage. Because oftentimes what we discussed in the press conference was there are children that have cancer that have been denied their care simply because they can't afford it. And that's unacceptable. As a society, we deserve a healthcare system that represents everyone and that no one should be left behind. And I think that's part of the work that we're trying to accomplish with Nevada's Hope Act. The bill as written right now will encompass everyone. And the reason why I'm doing it is for two, two parts. 
Number one, never in our state's history have we had a discussion for providing healthcare for these particular individuals. And I have family members that are in different age levels that would be impacted by this legislation, and they deserve healthcare. Now, what you have mentioned is there have been states that have expanded healthcare coverage first for children and pregnant moms and for postpartum coverage. That is something that we're going to be looking at as well. The bill currently as written will include everyone, including children and pregnant moms. But we're hoping that our colleagues can work together to understand the severity of this issue. It's been passed by partisans in other states because unilaterally we believe that everyone should have access to health care. And at the bottom line, people should be protected. People should have the ability to pay and survive, to pay for the services and survive their medical illness. And we believe that is a conversation that will be held uh, in the next coming weeks. It's important to mention that there are many individuals and backgrounds of folks who are undocumented. There are folks in the AAPI community that are undocumented and Latinos, obviously comprise the majority of those individuals. What we have established as part of Nevada's Hope Act is a work group that could work with Medicaid to be extenders for this program. Of course, what other states have done is they've relied on their FQHCs to be enablers of some of these practices. Other states have looked at hospitals and capturing individuals as they leave the emergency department. At the bottom line, I believe this is an effort that can be streamlined and uplifted by our, by our healthcare providers. As a health administrator, I understand wholeheartedly the work that our healthcare providers are doing, and we have to do a better job at connecting the resources to the community, and I believe uh, that is something that we will discuss, and I'm excited to see it within the next few weeks. Last session in 2021, Assemblywoman Benita Thompson drafted a bill that essentially would make it language accessible for the prescriptions that you would receive from a pharmacy. And the reason why that is important is because we know with any health information that is distributed to patients that it is better reciprocated when folks understand what they're reading in their own language capacity. That is the premise of what health literacy entails. And so what we have aimed to accomplish is that in an effort to support cultural competency and better incorporate our services to the community, the prescriptions that people receive in pharmacies should be able to be read in their own native language. That can help with medication adherence. It can ensure that folks understand what they're taking. And it can help with education efforts to make sure that we're in compliance with reducing the symptoms and severities of their particular diagnosis. And so that is an effort that we have worked on in the legislature, and we continue to work to expand culturally linguistic services that can be provided all throughout our healthcare system. I relay back to my story and the reason of why I ran for office. And I studied public health at UNLV because when I was a teenager, my dad got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And having gone through that experience of having to translate for him, which, by the way, is a behavior that is shared by many immigrant families, I have come to learn that public health impacts all of us. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic reiterated the importance of public health. Part of my mission in Nevada's Hope Act and beyond is to find sustainable funding for public health. When I graduated from UNLV, it was difficult for me to find a job. 
And I think that's the story that many of my public health graduates from UNLV and UNR face, which is our state has not been equipped with the right resources to take care of one another. And so it's part of my mission to ensure that folks don't have to leave this state for their health care or to receive access to services. And that in the future, we can have a healthcare system that reflects all of us where no one is left behind and no one is forgotten. And I hope that that is a message that folks from all sides of the political spectrum and whether you're in Elko County or Washoe or Clark County can realize that these investments are worthy because at the end of the day, we want to invest back into the people. And I hope that's a message that would someday get accomplished. In general, we don't have the healthcare capacity that we need as a state to operate with the population that we have now. Oftentimes, as I mentioned, many families have to leave the state to receive the care that they need. That is a story that has been predicated even before I arrived. The idea of folks having to go to Harry Reid International Airport to receive care is something that we should have been ashamed of and we should have fixed a long time ago. And so part of Nevada's Hope Act will be to ensure that there are tax incentives available for industries that want to move into the state, particularly with respect to biotechnology, which I believe are the future healthcare jobs of tomorrow, and also for sectors that we desperately deserve. You know, I've had many meetings with groups and organizations that come to me and say, Senator, we want to move to Nevada because we see a lack of access in youth mental health services, and we want to build a facility to help establish that continuum of care. But in order for us to do this, we need some help moving in and the Medicaid reimbursement rate needs to be adjusted. I believe we are close to adjusting Medicaid rates and finding sustainable funding solutions for them. That is something that we've worked with the hospital association and several clinical groups throughout the state to raise our reimbursement rates, but we also have to aid them in moving into the state. And that is where I believe tax incentives could be helpful for to strategically support and rampantly increase our capacity because the fact of the matter is we don't have the services that we need. We're desperately in need of bringing them in because the wait times are just way too long. And this is coming from someone that works in primary care. To get on my primary care physician schedule is about a month and a half away. And that is not the way our health system should be operating. And we need to do a better job to support it in general. Do you think the Medicaid rate issue is going to be solved this, this session? I believe there are going to be discussions to that within the next few weeks. And I hope that in collaboration with our hospital and clinical providers, that we will walk away with some sort of medium in, in addressing that within the short term. One of the difficulties that we have in this state and this is not just in mental health, this is in all types of healthcare services, is that the commercial rate often subsidizes Medicaid and Medicare rates. That is the normal of what we have experienced nationally. But the services itself, the cost of providing those services, sometimes don't fall in line with what Medicaid rates are. Medicare rates are determined by the federal government. Medicaid rates are determined partially by the state government. And obviously there's matching grants and funds that we can receive from the federal government to support that. In our state, in every discussion that we've had with healthcare providers is that we definitely need help with reimbursement rates. The difficulty that we find ourselves in is obviously 
Where do we find the income to generate that or the revenue to push for those initiatives? And of course, where do you begin? Do you segment portions of Medicaid reimbursement to address the most critical needs? For instance, do we focus on mental health and pediatrics because that is where we definitely need more help? Or do we support it all across the board? And I think those are discussions that we will be having within the next few weeks as to what does the Medicaid reimbursement system look like in general? Where can we put more funds to support this initiative? And how can we strategically align together so that in the future, right, we have a model that works and we don't have to keep coming back and forth, plugging holes, fixing gaps when the entire system should just be repaired and reformed. And that's what we're hoping to do. And I think there's several bills that you'll see, not from me, but from other legislators to have in that conversation. I think that is a fear that systemically we have failed to address simply because the federal government has not passed comprehensive immigration reform. And unfortunately, we do find ourselves in a similar position. That is a challenge that other states have also experienced from this Medicaid expansion. But part of the work group that the legislation will entail is having folks that have been trusted by the community, for instance, like utilizing our community health workers to bridge the gap so that many of these families understand the services that they need and, of course, that they, they won't have any repercussions. The bottom line is this. People deserve access to preventive health services. Whatever we can do to make that culturally and linguistically available is our ultimate goal. And we hope that in passing this bill that our community partners will step up because at the end of the day, this is, our, this is what our scope of work entails and making sure that people understand the the requirements and, of course, the ability to receive access to care. And I think that is a message that many families will resonate with. And I hope that in the long term, we can look back and see the progress we've made, which right now we have none. That was Fabian Dañate, a state senator from Las Vegas and chair of the Senate Health and Human Services Committee, talking about mental health issues amongst the state immigrant community and the recently proposed Senate Bill 419 otherwise known as the HOPE Act.